word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us an incredible hope, an incredible joy. And so while it's tough to hear hard news like the news that Peter shared with us this morning, we thank you for the hope that we have through all of the hardships, through all of the difficult times. We thank you for the promises that you give to us in your word of your love for us and the good that you hold out to us. And we know that we will, your love for us does not mean that life will always be easy and that things will always go the way that we would wish they would. And we thank you that you are with us through it all. We pray as we come to your word today that you will encourage us to stand firm on your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If anyone would like to follow along, we're reading this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, from verses 1 to 20. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters all at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Now I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we're found to be false witnesses about God, for we've testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he didn't raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, 
We are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. One way or another, at some point, some point in our lives, we've all had to face the reality that death isn't just something that happens to old people and our goldfish, but that it's something that's going to happen to me one day too. The reality is I won't be here forever. And throughout history... And throughout our world, there are many ways that people have tried to face up to that reality. Some people focus all their lives on their legacy and they want to achieve immortality, not you know, in the sense that they can find a way that they'll never die, but that functional immortality that my name will live on forever through the things that I've done. Some people embrace nihilism. Yep, we're all going to die and nothing matters, so let's eat, drink and be merry. For tomorrow we die. People have come up with ideas about what comes after death, whether that's a reincarnation and coming back as something else into this world, something better if we've been good and something worse if we've been bad. Or we might you know, talk about Valhalla or paradise and other ideas that people have had of life after death. The Bible not only claims that there is an afterlife, but uniquely it claims that there is one that has already proven the existence of life after death. As we draw towards the end of this book of Corinthians, we find that there are some in this church who believe that the kingdom of God was coming perfectly to this world, that there was no need for a resurrection, that nobody was going to be raised from the dead, but perfection was going to come to this world now. And this teaching is what Paul turns to, and this is what he wants to correct in this, uh, part of, you know, in this chapter of his letter that he's written to the Corinthian church. And so he starts off by telling them, it's by the gospel you are saved. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Paul begins this passage by bringing us to the gospel, the heart of Christian belief the things that we need to know. He reminds us, we're not saved. We've never put our hope in being saved by being good enough. We're not saved by being nice enough people. We're not saved by doing enough difficult works. We're not saved by giving enough money or giving up enough pleasures. We're saved by what we believe, we are saved by the gospel. We're saved by who we put our trust in. Salvation is about being restored to relationship with our Father, with our Creator, 
with the one who made us and the one who has, you know, as our creator, the, the right to define what is right and what is wrong for us, who has the right to hold us accountable for the wrong that we have done. Having that relationship with God requires, having our relationship with God restored requires that we know God, that we know who he is. And we come to know that most especially through the gospel. That is what tells us who this God is. And that is how we put our trust in the God who has loved us. You can't have relationship with somebody that we don't know. You can't have relationship with somebody that we don't trust. Not a good relationship anyway. I mean, within all of our marriages, all of our friendships and all of our families, what we want is to be known, to be among the people who understand us, to have that relationship of knowing and being known. And that's what God calls us into with the gospel, that we can know him and trust him just as he knows us perfectly. So what is this gospel then? What are these things that, that, that save us? By this gospel you are saved. What are these things that we need to know in order to be saved? If we could just move on uh, to the next slide. Thanks, Colleen. Oh, and one more. Thank you very much. What do we need to know in order to be saved? Do we need to memorize all of Scripture? Or by this gospel we are saved. Which gospel is that? Is that Matthew, Mark, Luke or John? Which one do I need to memorize from cover to cover? Well, Paul, of course, he gives us the gospel. And he gives it to us in a Cliff Notes format. He gives us boiled down as much as he possibly can. This is what you need to believe. These are, as he calls them, the things of first importance. And if we read along, that Christ, first of all, it's all about Christ. It's all about Jesus, the one who is called the Christ, the Messiah, that title that means he is the King that was promised by God for hundreds and hundreds of years before he came. That Christ died. Now that's not a difficult thing to believe. We have not just the witness of uh, the New Testament, of Jesus' friends that wrote about his death on the cross, but we have uh, Roman historians and Jewish historians that wrote that Jesus was a man that existed and that he was uh, put to death on a cross. It's no harder to believe that Jesus died than to believe that uh, you know, Julius Caesar existed and was uh, killed by the uprising with Brutus and the Ides of March and all of that stuff. In fact, it's easier to believe in Jesus that he died. But that's not all that Paul says. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Sin has never been a popular thing to talk about. But it's, it's part of that gospel, 
that we need to hold to. That Christ died for our sins. Each and every one of us, we were created by God. And we were created to be in relationship with God. And we were created to do and live as God would have us live. And none of us has done that. All of us have gone our own way. All of us deserve that God treats us as enemies and casts us away. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's it's easy to believe that Christ died. But the claim of the gospel is that Christ died for my sins and for your sins. That the price that had to be paid for those sins was death. And that God could not be just without demanding death for our sins. But in his love, Jesus came, God made flesh and took our sins upon himself so that the price has been paid for your sins and my sins. The price has been paid by Jesus and by his death. If we put our trust in him, if we follow him. So that's the first part of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried. He really was dead. He didn't just get you know, a little woozy on the cross and they took him down and then he got better. He was dead and there was, there was no doubt about that in anybody's minds. And a lot of people, well, the Corinthian church were quite happy for that to be the end of the gospel. But there's one more crucial part. That he rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to over 500 people, including some of those that, that Paul takes the time to name the different people that he appeared to. This is Paul's gospel in its most pared down form. This is all that the gospel is. Now, this isn't, that's not to say that this is the only things that matter in the entire Bible. That these are the only things that it's good to know. But this is the gospel. This is what saves us by putting our trust in these things, in believing these things. And Paul invites his listeners, if you're not quite sure about this, go and ask the people who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Now, obviously that's not an option for us like it was for the Corinthians. None of them are still around. That would be quite an impressive miracle if they still were. But it doesn't matter so much that we can't speak to them. We can still see Paul's confidence in saying, if you don't believe me, go talk to the witnesses and they'll say exactly the same thing I have said. The gospel is, tells us this is who you need to trust. If you want to be part of God's family, if you want to have relationship restored with the one who made you and loves you, and if you want to have eternity with him, with all of the good things that he gives to his people, instead of eternity without him, 
and without all of the good things that he gives to his people. This is who you need to put your trust in. Christ, who died on the cross. Don't put your trust in yourself. You won't be good enough to get yourself into heaven. But put your trust in Jesus. We need to turn from our sin and our efforts to be good enough and put our trust in Christ alone. And I put up on the screen there, the gospel is easy to remember. The gospel is simple. That doesn't always mean that you know, it's, it's easy to live out all of the implications of the gospel, but the heart of the gospel is something that a child can believe. And it's an encouragement, I think. By this gospel, you are saved. And anyone, anyone can understand and put their trust in that. We never have to feel like you're not smart enough to be able to be saved, or you're not spiritual enough for God to be able to save you. Or even, you know, that you're not good enough. Because that's the whole point, that we're not good enough. And so if you ever have the opportunity to talk to people about God, this is the gospel. This is the things that matter. But the flip side is, if this, by this gospel we are saved, there can be no compromise on this gospel. We either hold firm to all of this, the, all of this gospel that Paul has put down for us, that he has boiled it down to, or we've believed in vain, or we haven't actually put our trust in Jesus at all. This gospel is what saves us. This gospel is what shapes us and changes us, as Paul says in verse 10, that it's by the grace of God that he is what he is. He worked harder than everybody, but it wasn't him. It was what, what the grace of God was doing in him. Now, some in this Corinthian church, they decided that there was no resurrection. There was no life after death. And we know that many Greeks had trouble with the idea of the resurrection. We know that when uh, Paul went and, and had the opportunity to, like, to, to share the gospel in the Areopagus in Athens, and he was telling them all about Jesus and what he'd done. And when he got to the resurrection, that was when 90% of them decided they, didn't, they couldn't be bothered listening to him anymore. In Greek thought, the body was bad and evil, the soul or the spirit was good. And so, you know, the, the, the way things were going to go with the afterlife, the matter and, and the body and all things would be destroyed and only the spiritual things would remain. And so the idea of a bodily resurrection, the idea of matter being made good again, was nonsense to them. And this was a problem that the Corinthian church were having in, in, un, in believing in the resurrection. Now, there are a lot of people today that have problems believing in the resurrection. Oh, you Christians, you just want that to be true because you're afraid of dying. So you, you invent this heaven, this good place that you'll go to afterwards. Or you hear, you know, 
People think they're being edgy, making jokes about Jesus the zombie coming out of the grave. But it's not just the world that has problems with the resurrection. Even some churches say, oh, there's, there's no resurrection. Jesus didn't really raise, rise from the dead. He was a good teacher and we can learn a lot from him. But no, that, the miracles and the resurrection, that's just, you know, that, that's just uh, a legend that's grown on top of the reality of what Jesus said and did. When we take that away, when we take away the resurrection, when we take away his, um, yeah, the fact that Christ is raised and so we too will rise, we take away the gospel. These people are no longer believing in the fact that they need Jesus' forgiveness, that they're sinners that cannot be good enough and they think that God's word is just you know, a way to be a nicer person and a better person. But their trust is in themselves to be a better person and it's not in Jesus to save them. Paul reminds the Corinthians and us today, if there is no resurrection, then Jesus didn't rise either, which would make all of the early church liars so we can't trust what they have said. And it would mean that all followers are dead in their sins. You might think, why is that? Oh, didn't the cross deal with sins? But Jesus' resurrection is his victory over sin and death. It's the proof that the sins that he died for were not his own, but were ours. And that's why God raised him from the dead. The resurrection is our hope. The resurrection is what makes suffering worthwhile. It's what enables us to have thankfulness in sickness and pain. And I've said this one before, but when, we, when the Bible says about being thankful in all things, it's not like saying, you know, dear God, I'm so thankful that I'm sick and feel horrible today. It's, God, I'm, I'm so thankful that this sickness will not be around forever, that this is not all that there is. That there will be a day that there is no more mourning or sickness or crying or pain. We might be worried that we look a bit like idiots believing in life after death and the guy who rose from the dead. But Paul tells us that without the resurrection, we're idiots. If, we, if we're going to try and believe in Jesus but not the resurrection... We above all people are to be pitied. Paul had given up so much following Jesus and so did so many in the early church. And even though we often haven't had to give up as much as some of those who went through such difficult persecution, we've given up a lot to follow Jesus. We've given up some of the sinful inclinations of our hearts. We've given up our time and our money. We've given up all sorts of things, and one day we may be asked to give up more in a world that is rapidly becoming more hostile to the gospel. If we're all doing that for what we get in this life, he says, we're all fools. Now that's not to say God doesn't give us good things in this life, but that's not what the gospel is about.
Now, I want to point out it's not just the resurrection that we need. And if we could just click to the next slide. Thanks, Colleen. Paul emphasises the resurrection because that's the part of the gospel that the Corinthian church were having trouble holding on to, that they decided they didn't need to hold on to. There's other people who don't like the cross. The idea that God's judgment would be poured out upon his son. Richard Dawkins famously called that cosmic child abuse, missing the fact that the son and the father were united in their plan. Jesus wasn't just an unlucky scapegoat, but that was his will from the very beginning. There are people who are offended by sin. Well, that's part of the gospel, that you are sinful, that you've fallen short, and that you cannot make it to heaven by your own good works, but that you need a saviour. The gospel can be offensive. The gospel can be unpopular. But we have to hold on to all of it. Because by this gospel we are saved. And it's true that believing the gospel is, is more than just a matter of things that we give, you know, we ideologically we, we agree with in our head. When we believe the gospel, it makes a difference to all of our lives. But it starts with believing the gospel. We've got to hold on to all of it because this is who Jesus is. The Jesus of the gospel is the one who can save us. And we don't get to just make Jesus into whoever we want him to be. It's only the true one that will save us. So this is what we believe this is what Jesus means to us as our saviour. And this is what makes a difference in our lives as it does for Paul. It is this gospel. Now, I, I look around and I see, you know, faces that we, we see most weeks here. But maybe, I don't know, maybe there's someone in here who's never accepted the gospel. Never put your trust in Jesus. Now... There's a, there's a thing that people will often say up the front of this. Oh, it's easy to follow Jesus. All you've got to do is say this little prayer. I want to be honest with you and tell you it's not always easy. You have to accept that you were, you, that you are a sinner. That you were God's enemy. That by going your own way instead of going God's way, you were deserving of being cut off from God including from the life that he has given you, that we're deserving of death and of se eternal separation from him. We have to accept that you can't be good enough to get into heaven. But if your conscience has already been telling you these things, if God in his own way has been telling you these things, the wonderful news is that's not the end of the story. In Jesus, you find a saviour and a friend who loves you. Who gave his life in your place. And so you can read about him in, in the books written about him in Matthew, Mark and Luke and John. 
And you can talk to him and the Bible assures us he can hear you when you talk to him. Out loud or silently, no matter what. And as you learn more about him, as you speak to Jesus, you learn that you can trust him. There's something about Jesus as you come to him that you can put your trust in. Now, maybe you've been a Christian for a long while and you've given, you've put your trust in Jesus a long time ago. Just be encouraged. You're never too grown up for the gospel. Yes, we've heard it all before. But by this gospel, you are saved. This is the heart of what we believe and this is the heart of who we are as God's people. This is what shapes us into who God is making us to be. It's what enables us to be thankful in hard times, as I pointed out. What enables us to be humble when we do well. What enables us to show forgiveness and love to other people who don't deserve it, knowing that we have been shown forgiveness and love that we do not deserve. As I've said a couple of times in in recent sermons, holding to the gospel will not always be easy and expect to face more pressure from holding to the gospel. But hold fast to that gospel anyway. Our light and momentary troubles are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. The troubles that we will face pale in insignificance when we put our hope in the resurrection and in the resurrected Saviour. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the beautiful and powerful gospel that you have given us. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. May we hold firm to your gospel each and every day. And put our trust that like you have promised we will be saved, forgiven and restored to relationship with you by putting our trust in Jesus, in the truth of what he has done for us and in uh, living out that truth because we know that what we believe affects how we live. Please set us all free from the, uh, the heartache and the struggle of trying to be good enough for your salvation. And enjoy the freedom, the beautiful freedom of knowing that we're not good enough and you loved us and died for us anyway. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.